0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, my joy to be here with you again, and we're going to turn to the letter that Peter wrote to the church in dispersion, so a church with much reason to be hopeless. And uh, most of the letter that Peter wrote uh, is to give the church in dispersion hope. And uh, we'll refer to what we said last time from the previous few verses, but you want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to pay attention to verse 22 to 25, mostly, this morning. So you may want to keep your finger there, and as we go through the various points of discussion this morning, you may want to look at the verses. It's always worth while to go back later and then to try and remember what was said. So uh, we want to read from verse 20, just to get the setting for us this morning. First Peter chapter 1, from verse 20. He that is Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God another verse for today verse 22 and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. I don't know about you, but I find myself often challenged in how I think about true love, and uh, I blame Hollywood and Shakespeare mostly for that. Who of you remember the movie Love Story? Way back. Oh, more than at the first service. Great. And you may remember in that story, the uh, Ryan O'Neill's character utters the very well-known phrase, love means never having to say you're sorry. Rubbish. <laughs> it's a lie. When Nettie and I counsel couples who want to get married, uh, I try and teach the young men that there are three words that his new bride must hear often. And most of them say, well, we know, I must most often say, I love you. No, you must most often say, I am sorry, because that shows that you truly love. So, love story has it wrong. And Shakespeare, he contributes to the misinformation by making Romeo say this when he saw Juliet. Now, make sense of this. See how she leans her cheek upon her hand. Oh, that I wear a glove upon that hand, that I may, t- may touch that cheek. Well, yeah, sounds like soppy, and maybe that's love. When, uh, when, I, when I tried to, uh, to get Nettie to pay attention to me in a loving way, I, I read Shakespeare's sonnets to her. I did. And uh, the most read sonnet is sonnet number 18, and Shakespeare asks the following concerning love. He says, Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. And then a bit later in the sonnet he says, So long as men can breathe or eyes can see, so long lives this, he means love, and this, meaning love, gives life to thee. Well, it all sounds you know, fascinating and soppy and almost makes you cry, and then you turn to something more than coffee. But that's not true love. But you can see in these examples that people don't get true love because it all turns back to me. And we see it even in Christian circles. We see see a single person desperately wanting a spouse, but having this list, this list of characteristics, that unless the person can tick all the boxes, that person is not worthy of my love. We see the bridegroom on the wedding day, his desire is for his bride to remain exactly the same, as beautiful, as gentle, as loving. And the bride, on the other hand, can't wait for the new husband to turn into the superhero that she knows he can be. And all of it is about me. Finding reason to love you. The Christian lavishes his love on those who agree and will withhold love to those who do not agree. So finding reason to not support or to build up someone or to speak well of someone. It's easy for us. We can easily say, well, I don't even like that person, so never mind love. Don't even come close. So the biggest mistake that we make, especially as Christians, is we're not asking and answering the right question. We ask, why should I love you? Wanting to find reason, sufficient reason to love you. And in that, I'm actually thinking, I'm deserving of that love because I'm much better than you. What makes you worthy of my love is the question we ask. And as, and as soon as you do something that I didn't want you to do, or as soon as you don't do something that I expected you to do, I withhold my love. So instead we should ask, why should you love me? And Peter reminds us and instructs us that not only is there a required response to a perfect Savior as we heard last time, but there is also a required response to an imperfect brother and sister. So the focus of the verses we want to understand today is the phrase, love one another. That's found in verse 22. Just a quick reminder of the previous verses, speaking of a required response to a perfect Savior. In 1 Peter 1 verse 13 to 21, we spoke about the three responses that are required. And there we learned that our required response to a perfect Savior is that we should live in hope, as Peter confirms to us. We should be aiming to live a, a holy life, and we should be consistently looking out to honor God. So Peter, throughout the letter, is all about what you know now, you must now do. We are doers of the word. So loving one another is a benefit also to the church and to the world, as you will see. So the argument for Christians to love Christians should sufficiently just be because Jesus said you must. That's where it should end. But we battle with that. I confess I do. John 13, verse 34, we find that encouragement from Jesus himself. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So loving one another is not an option. It is essential our love for one another sets us apart from anyone else. Christian, you are identified by your love for all other Christians. The world knows that you are a believer of Jesus Christ by the love that you show to one another. And it's the kind of love that is different to the love of the world. Worldly love measures its value by what what I can get. Christian... Love finds its value in what I can give. So Peter uses for the word love the best form of love, not emotional love like we saw in the examples of Shakespeare and uh, whoever wrote the story of Love Story. But Peter finds the value of that word in a decisional love, not an emotional love. So four questions, if answered, will motivate us to love one another like we should. Those questions are, when should you start loving? Second question, who should receive your love? Third question, how should you give love? And then culminating that into our main question for today, why should you love me? I'm very grateful to John MacArthur and Matt Chandler who adjusted my structure slightly to make it more meaningful and to help me make more sense of this passage. So let's start with the first question. When should you start loving? We find that in 1 Peter 1, verse 22, the first part. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. Simple answer is that you start loving other Christians as soon as you become a Christian. God purified your soul. He gave you an exact copy of the purity of Christ in your soul. And that enabled you to love someone other than yourself. Before you became a Christian, you were only concerned about and only able to love yourself. And your only interest was in loving yourself. Even when you did believe and thought that you loved someone else, it was for your own benefit and for your own selfish needs. 2 Timothy 3 verse 2 reminds us of that. It says, for people will be lovers of self. Lovers of money. My money. My money. I want more of that because that will give me happiness. Proud, look at all my money. Look at how good I am. For those reasons, you must love me. Arrogant, it's all me. Then abusive, don't you dare touch my money or I'll get you. Christian love is totally different because of God. Romans 5 verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured Into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Responding to the truth of the gospel enabled and enables you to love truly. You have a new capacity to love because part of who you are is to love. As soon as you become a Christian, God gives you the ability to love others. And John says that if you don't love, you're not truly a believer. Where does he say that? In 1 John. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. Listen to this. By this it is evident who are the children of God. What an amazing statement to make. So you may sometimes, or may even today, sit here and think, well, I'm not sure, Well, how can I be sure that I am truly a child of God? I want to know. You must want to know. Am I truly a child of God? He's going to tell us. And that's the amazing thing about this, these verses, the two verses. He says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. You see, there are only two families. There's the family of God, and there's the family of Satan. So who are you a child of? That's the question you must answer. He says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Right? So if you don't practice righteousness, you're not of God. Then... He defines it, and he says, Also, so if you don't practice righteousness, you're not a child of God. But also, you are not a child of God if you do not love your brother. There it is. 1 John 3, verse 10 and 11. That's how important it is to love one another. And just note that this love is genuine love. That's genuine love. Not the Martin Lloyd Webber. Or Shakespeare, love, real love. Romans 12, verse 9, let love be genuine. Why should you love me? I'm really not that lovable. Should you love me because I'm nice? I can sometimes be, but often not. Do you love me because you can benefit from me? I hope sometimes you do. Do you love me because I agree with you, Well, what if I don't? Do you love me because I pay attention to you, well, there'll be times that I can't. No, you must love me because that love shows that you are a Christian. It proves that you are a child of God. Then when should you start? Should you start when I reach a certain level of niceness? I have to wait a long time. Or when I stop opposing your views. Or when I prefer your company to anyone else's. Or when I follow your plans. No, you must start now. If you are a Christian, you must start now. If you're not a Christian, then I can't really trust your intentions, can I? So Christian, love now. And don't stop. Because love is part of who you are. Second question. Who should you love? And Peter helps us. First Peter 1 verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. There we have it. And then he makes it clear. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So remember Peter writes to the church in dispersion. So he writes to Christians. Everyone who believes they are a Christian. So loving one another means mostly to love other Christians. That's the purpose of these verses. Sincere brotherly love and love one another. The other Christians are to be the recipients of your love. They are to be the focus of your love. And this love, the word that was translated uh, love one another and brotherly love is Philadelphia. It literally means sincere brother love. In 1 John 3 verse 16 we see an example, or John gives us an example of Jesus And we need to follow that example. By this we know love, says John, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You may say, whoa, 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 I'm not ready to die yet. Well, that's not really the intention of, of the word. It really means not necessarily dying, but giving in the things of this life, letting go of the things of this life that can be available to others, and in doing that, you show your love to them. If you have and someone needs, then give. Lay down your life. Lay down those things in your life for the brothers. So you love the one who needs the love. Showing love to Christians is of absolute importance. It confirms that you belong to Jesus. The world will know that we are His disciples by the love that we show to one another. The attraction of the church is not firstly in the effectiveness of our evangelistic programs. It is not even in our effective outreach programs or even in biblical teaching. The most attractive part of HBC must be how we love one another. You will attract people to HBC if you show love to the members of HBC. All of them, even and especially the not-yet-nice ones. Even the don't-agree-with-you-always ones, also the the yes-but-you-hurt-me-in-the-past ones, and even the what-were-you-thinking ones. You love because you are a Christian, and you show the character of Christ, and you love all those who share the same desire to represent Christ. Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, how should you love? Well, Peter in 1 Peter 1 verse 22 says, you should love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Earnestly from a pure heart. Peter in 1 Peter 4 verse 8 also says just for us to understand the meaning of earnest, above all keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't that wonderful? That's what earnest love does. It covers a multitude of sins. So let's get personal. Do you harbor bitterness towards any other Christian? Are you holding on to an event of the past where you believe you were hurt by another Christian? Are you maybe jealous because of what you see another Christian has? Maybe if you listen to the first part, when should I love and who should I love? Maybe you made a list of people that you don't believe qualify to be on your loving list. Christian love, earnestly applied, takes away the bad. It hides the bad. It ignores the bad of the past and the present. It covers it so that you don't notice it any longer. And it does not limit the way that you love. The word earnestly means to stretch to the maximum before it breaks. So if I have to explain that, for example, if I have to hang onto a crossbar without my feet supporting me on the ground, I hope I'll last 30 seconds. There was a time that I could hang for 30 minutes. It wasn't a problem. But for now, 30 seconds will be stretching me earnestly. That's the limit of my ability. Let me show you how Jesus applied this. Luke tells us of the time that Jesus prayed in the garden. And he says this in Luke 22 verse 44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, stretching to the limit. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So Jesus went all the way to the end of his physical ability in his prayer. That's what it means. And then we see the disciples following that example when Peter was in jail, Acts 12 verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison. But earnest prayers for him was made to God by the church. So the disciples, their earnest prayer, they prayed to the limit of their faith. You are acting against your family DNA if you withhold love from any brother or sister. You say, well, okay, wait. What did you just mean by the limit? And and you know, I have I have limits. I have a limited ability in money. I have a limited ability in knowledge. I have a limited ability in the amount of food that I have in my home, I have a limited ability in energy. I don't have enough, not enough resources, but if you willfully and selfishly Withhold what you have from someone who needs what you have. Then, Christian, you are being loveless. You warp the value of the love of Christ, and you are a poor witness of your faith. You make your own evangelism less effective. Why would anyone come to HBC if they hear you talk about another Christian at HBC in the way that you do? Why would they? Why would they come if they see some in need and they know that you have and you're not giving? Why would they come? So let's get practical again. What can I do to show earnest love? Well, here's how you can love. Start by making a list of those who you clearly dislike. And those who you think harmed you and those who you think does not deserve your love make that list and then reach out to them so now if you reach out to me in this week i will know <laughs> so let me balance it just for my and your sake in case you want to reach out to me this week also once you've made that list and once you've reached out to those also ask the following who is struggling Who do I know of? In the church, especially, who is struggling? Who needs encouragement? Who needs accommodation? Whose marriage is in trouble? Who needs money? Who needs medication? Who needs a break from childcare? All the the parents of young children will raise hands. Who can do with attention? Who can I teach what I just learned this morning? Who are the widows? Who are those who are ill? Who are the ones who are sinning? Who are the lonely? Who needs prayer? Basically, just ask. Who should I love? And then go and love them. And pray that God will lead you to those who need your love, your specific kind of love. And then earnestly, until the limit, love them. Until the limit of your time, limit of your ability, until the limit of your money, until the limit of your energy. But make sure that you have the right heart's desire, as our verse says, from a pure heart. First Timothy 1 verse 5 helps us to understand it. He says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Why is it so difficult to love some people? You may do what I did this week as I prepared for this. And I had my list of people. And yes, I must confess, some of you are on that list of people that are difficult for me to love. But I'm the problem. And I realized that my problem may be your problem. Why do I find it difficult to love some of you? It's because I am sinful. So, when you received the ability to love when you became a Christian, you were also still left in this life with the ability to sin. And between sin and selfishness, we find it difficult to love some people. And that's why the Bible is so full of commands for us to love. And I really love how Peter puts it in 2 Peter 1, verse 7. He says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And then he eventually gets to love. But let me show you this. For this very reason, make every effort. See the effort? To supplement, so add on to your faith. So supplement your faith with virtue. And supplement your virtue with knowledge. And supplement your knowledge with self-control. And supplement your self-control with steadfastness. And supplement your steadfastness with godliness. And supplement your godliness with brotherly affection. See, that's where I often fall off the bus. I find it difficult to have brotherly affection because you have strange habits, some of you. Then he says, and supplement the brotherly affection with love. It's a command, and it's an effort. How should you love? You should love, who should you love? You should love all Christians. When should you start? You should have started already. When is the best time to... Plant an apple tree 30 years ago. Because then you would have the fruit already today. When is the second best time to plant an apple tree? Today. So you haven't done it for the last 30 years, today is the time to start. Exactly the same with showing brotherly love. If you have not done it, if you failed like I have, then let's do it again. Let's start again. Let's be convicted again. To show brotherly love, because if you are a Christian, that's part of who you are. So now let's look at why should you love me? First Peter one verse twenty-three. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. When you are born, talking about this life, you are born into a specific family with family traits. Now you witness that very fact in uh, the two LaRue's that were on stage this morning. Uh, The one helped us to sing, and the other one helped us to pray. But if you put those two brothers next to one another, you can see the LaRue traits, right? In the dark curly hair, in uh, the voice, in the manner of speech, uh, in the mannerisms. uh, Not in the dress code, but that's fine. (laughs) So they they are the LaRue's. The huttings are the same. You know, someone would come to me and and they don't know me from a bar of soap and they'll say, are you not a hutting? I know a hutting. And they know that I'm a hutting by my nose. Huttings have these noses. We do. And most of us are sporty and we don't care much for detail, but you know, we love the big picture and we all consume a copious amount of milk tart. just who we are. In the same way, when you are born into your spiritual family, you receive some of those family traits. It is who you are. You are to love because you are left here on earth after your rebirth, after your salvation, so that you can love and you must love. So loving is in line with your new gift of life. You are born of God. You are born to know God. And you want to live like God. And God is love. So it's part of who you are, because it's part of who God is. 1 John 4, verse 8 and verse 16. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Then verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. You see, Christian, once you became a Christian... Your life changed forever. You can't go back to your previous way of life. Who you are changed forever. But it also changes and it starts changing as soon as you become a Christian. And it has benefits for now. You must experience and live out that change that is you. You're not the same one any longer, you're not like everyone else in the world. You're not the old you, you are the new you. You cannot use the same reasons as the talk show hosts to withhold your love. Listen to Colossians 3 verse 10. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And in Romans 6, verse 17 and 18, it emphasizes the change that happens. This is what it says. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and have been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. You became obedient from the heart. Your emotions and your decisions and your will all align wanting to obey God and wanting to be like God. Look at verse 23 again in our text. Since you have been born again. Statement of fact. Not a wish expressed. At some point you changed from spiritually dead to alive to God. Old man died. New man created in Christ Jesus became alive. And also apart from the dramatic life changes that happened, maybe instantaneously or over a period of time, See this also in verse 23. It says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. It resonates with Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10, doesn't it? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created in Christ Jesus to love one another. How did this happen? New birth. Not perishable seed. So at some stage in your life, your natural life, the seed of your parents caused your creation. But that was perishable seed. You can see it in your body. We're not all superhumans. I can only hang for 30 seconds. It's part of my perishable seed. My parents both passed away. Their seed, perishable seed. At some stage, your parents, grandparents, great-grandparents die. They perish. And so will you. We have that stark reminder this week. You won't last. Your new birth happened because of a seed and using a seed that cannot and shall not perish, what does God use to create the new everlasting life in you? What is the delivery mechanism? Through the living and abiding word of God. James 1 verse 18 confirms that. it says, "Of his own, of, of His own will he, brought, will he brought us forth by the word of truth." that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And in Romans 10 verse 17, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. God's word is used by God to create new and imperishable everlasting life. Just look at what Peter does to prove his point. So Peter says, Your everlasting life, it starts now, as soon as you become a Christian, is given to you with imperishable seed, so it can never, can never be taken away, it can never be diminished, lasts forever, but it comes to you through the word of God, and then he uses the word of God to prove it. He quotes Isaiah 40, verse 6 to 8. And what does he say about the flower and the grass? He says, All flesh, so all human beings, and everything that lives, is compared to, is like, Flowers and grass, what happens to them? can be very beautiful today and dead tomorrow. One of the ways I can show my wife, Nettie, that I love her is to bring her flowers. I don't do that often enough because I don't want her to get used to that love. But let's say I remember today to go and buy a bunch of flowers. And we'll put it in a vase in home and... We'll make sure that it is fed and it lasts as long as possible. But maybe two weeks from now, if you come and visit, won't be that pretty bunch of flowers anymore. It will be withered and it will have fallen. All flesh, all life is like the grass and the flower. It does not last. Even if you look up to someone and you think, this is just the perfect specimen of physique. Well, look at them again 20 years from today. But, quotes Peter, you, Christian, are born from seed that brings forth a limitless time of life and quality of life. You are someone who is able to love. So, love like God loves. For us to bring this together and to answer it, do you need a final motivation? I'll give you one. If you are a Christian, you have an example to follow, don't you? You have. You know someone who is one who loves perfectly. It is Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. When God saved you, he did not consider your faith and the quality of that. He did not look at your bank balance or your manners or your family traits here on earth or your skin color or your philosophy of life or your knowledge of the Bible or who your friends are. Jesus considered only his love for the Father to do what the Father wanted him to do. Will you do what Jesus asks you to do? So why should you love me? Me. Because I am in difficulty. Maybe not now, but I will be. I am hurting. Maybe not now, but maybe tomorrow. I experience loneliness. I am faltering in my faith. I need help. In this church, I have not yet been hungry. So thank you for loving me. So you have salvation, you are a Christian, so part of your DNA, part of your family trait is to love. You are to love one another, other Christians, that's the command, how earnestly you stretch it to the limit, because that's who you are. You know what, for the same reasons, I must love you. In spite of my difficulty, in spite of my hurt, in spite of my loneliness and my faltering faith, And in spite of my neediness. So let's agree that we will love more people more earnestly, more of the time. Shall we? Father, we need your help. You have given us so much already. You have given us everlasting life, born out of imperishable seed. We have a guarantee that we will live forever. And you provide for us in ways that we could never provide for ourselves. We are reminded of the fact that even our next breath depends on you. And how many breaths, Lord, have we wasted on loving ourselves and not others? Forgive us, Lord, for turning our needy eyes to ourselves and finding reasons not to love others. Help us again by the convicting words that Peter wrote to the church. A hopeless church to find hope. And we know that it is more blessed to give than to receive, so we want you to bless us by helping us to love others more. May we be known as a church not only where truth matters, but where people matter because we love them. Amen.